The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. It's music time here and uh, D-Ready is joined tonight by Dave Hanratty from Joe.ie, host of the No Encore podcast. And I'm still in a good mood having been at your Duran the other night. You're laughing at me there, Dave. I'm not laughing at you at all. I'd say that was a deadly gig. It was good fun. It was great crack watching the crowds and the mix of ages as well. As a first, it seemed to me everyone is in their mid-50s and into their 60s and the rest of it. And then suddenly saying, actually, there's loads of younger people here as well. Loads of people in their 30s and their 20s and even teenagers who seem to be there with their parents. Oh, that's really nice to see. Yeah. But like, I don't see, like, I mean, I would go to loads of gigs that, for artists that would have had their heyday long before I was even born, you Heritage know, if I got acts. the chance. Yeah, Her- <laughs> Legacy Acts. Legacy, legacy Acts. acts. That's, <laughs> the, that's the, the preferred nomenclature these days, I believe. Yeah. Legacy Acts. You don't yeah. offend anybody. It took Simon Lebon a bit of time to warm up, though, to get moving. He got going after a while, but it looked like a long warm up on stage. Any of the stuff it. I saw on, on social media, he looked like he was in fine fettle. Yeah. You seem to enjoy him. Colin, Simon Le Bonnet on Radio Here, man, I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> you, you get some angry, angry emails, perhaps from him. No, I enjoyed it. It was fun. And I was, I was saying to you just off air, I was actually for somebody who did not like Duran Duran during the 80s and was brought along by my wife, Aileen. I actually discovered to my horror that I actually knew the lyrics to far more songs than I should have known. <laughs> but do you think that's not always kind of the way with pop music? That it, it because it's 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 so part of the world. Like you go into a restaurant, there might be songs. It just it you kind yeah. of get it by assimilation, and actually sometimes you end up enjoying it more. Yeah. I'm still not going to Garth Brooks. How many extra tickets are there out there? Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, like, the question is, how many nights are you going to go to Garth Brooks? Because <laughs> you, you'll have the chance. Uh, yeah, so this this week, uh, the news broke, the exciting news broke that there are, in fact, more tickets coming. Uh, this is the, your classic situation where a promoter releases what they refer to as production holds, which, you know, not uncommon in the run-up to a big gig, where all of a sudden there's a new spate of tickets available. So in this situation, the way it's been kind of sold is that uh, they're filming the gigs because obviously these are historic. These are perhaps his last stadium shows ever. They're, what, eight years overdue on this side of the world at this stage. <laughs> we'll still be talking about this for the next 20 years, no matter what happens. Um, but yeah, so on Thursday morning, new tickets will go on sale to the general public. We don't know quite how many because this is kind of a how long is a piece of string situation when it comes to production holes. They're saying that we have our personnel in place. We're going to film this. That has created extra space. Now, you could argue, how is this... That, how does that create extra space if you're... Camera with... people in the right places? I mean, like... How many sure cameras? Takes away space. How many cameras? I mean, it's Garth Brooks, guys. You can't rule anything out of And actually, them. I wonder, will people actually now... Do people buy DVDs of concerts anymore still? VHS for me, preferably, yeah. yeah. You have a VHS player still, do you? Not... Any, I, I can dig one out in the attic. I'm sure there's, there's one Okay, but then the question is... Yeah, you could stream a concert. Is, is that the way that there's... Yeah, I would, there's, yeah. I like, and, and even like done. say, there's there's definitely documentaries and stuff that where you'll often see them. Where Billy Eilish had that one last year or the year before that we talked about on this lot, where it, they actually followed her on tour. They had footage from the tour, and then that was interspersed with um, interviews with her and people in her life. Mm. I mean, listen, far be it for me to be a cynic, but there's every <laughs> chance here that this was part of the strategy. Release X amount of tickets, hold some back, say that they're production holes. I'm not saying that's, that's what's happened. Please, nobody come after me. But very unlike you to be cynical, Dave. I mean, you never like like some of the. I, I prefer to refer to myself as a realist here, but I mean, look, if they cancel out these gigs, we're in trouble. After all this time, I'm not going to be cancelled out. No, nah, I mean, eh, you never know. You never we're know. not going to have a Taylor Swift type situation, or suddenly there's going to be loads of free tickets around. If if you're saying you're not going, that I mean, like 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 you could make the difference here. Influencer. Five nights, influencer. <laughs> 
I did think it. I did think it was funny though that he said that for him, music has never been about the number of people in a crowd, but about the sincerity of there of who's there, which is lovely. But then, why didn't he take the three nights when he was offered? A couple of years ago, instead of holding out for the five, just then, just then. There's a lot more text messages coming in from people at Duran Duran, and I did actually meet loads of people there and on the dart on the way back afterwards. Jason says, you're getting old. I was at the gig on Sunday. Fabulous start to finish. I'm only 50. I enjoyed it. It was really good. <laughs> Another one says, was at Duran Duran with my two daughters, 13 and 15. Oh, Love the gig. And a 13-year-old says, best intro is Ordinary World. Off to Killers tomorrow night. And actually, I'm going to Elbow Monday night. There's lots of so much did, good stuff on coming up. Did your Andrew Ram play A View to a Kill? Because that's one of the yes, best. Yes, they bodies. did. Amazing. Well, yes. there you go. Price of admission alone. Yeah, <laughs> that was actually one of the highlights. Didn't play the reflex, though. I'll tell you. And the fact that I'm even saying that, actually. Is there, you go, no, not there you go, now. You said earlier, to my horror, I knew all these songs. But I don't know. I'm hearing something very different here now. Well, in fairness, um, Taylor on the bass is damn good. Really is. Anyway, okay. Look, let's move on and uh, watch Irish acts are playing Glastonbury, which is on when? The weekend after next? Yeah, so there's heaps of them. Um, So it's the first festival, the first Glastonbury festival back since 2019. So there should be about 200,000 people expected to attend. But that's actually about a quarter of a million when you factor in all the people that work in it. It's absolutely incredible. Um, It becomes like a little mini city. Um, And there's heaps of Irish um, acts playing. So like starting on Friday, You've got Inhaler playing the John Peel stage. You've got Mary Coughlin on an acoustic stage. Brian Kennedy on the acoustic stage as well. Hot Ice Flowers also on that one. The Undertones. Jesus, an Irish takeover on the acoustic stage on Friday. And then Annie Mack is playing in the Glade um, on Friday night as well, which will be an absolutely fantastic set, I'd say. Uh, is it all going to be televised? Actually, that's the one thing I actually do enjoy looking at Glastonbury on television. There can be some great gigs. The BBC's coverage, yeah, it, it varies over the years. Sometimes you do get like a full set or then it tends to be a, a kind of a highlight reel. They have a nasty habit though of going backstage to like the bazaar and it's just like our roving reporter like met up with this guy who makes yeah. footballs out of hemp and I'm like, I don't care about this. I, mean, I want like, to just see music being played. I want to see Duran Duran, man. You know, so it's very much like a situation where you can't fully control it and it's kind of a red button thing. Sometimes online though, I, I, I would imagine that they will have, you know, here's your artist from four to five, watch this this way. And in fairness, from my point of view, as someone who has become quite tired of going to festivals, I find myself kind of like Robert De Niro at the end of Heat, being How like, I'm never I? going How back. How can you be tired of going to festivals? You've had two years off, you're only starting to go back to them again. Uh, David I'm never going back. I, I can't. And Glastonbury, I will say, I've never been to Glastonbury, okay, and I do have friends who, if they're listening to this right now, will be very upset with me, because it's a religious pilgrimage to them, but... As you said, mini city. I mean, even seeing Instagram stories it's of Queen Vera last weekend, the weekend before, I was just like, even Forbidden Fruit, I was like, woof, no, I'm done. I've served my time. Uh, you make a good point. We've had two years off festivals, but it has done nothing but strengthen my resolve <laughs> to stay away from them. Okay, the comment coming in from this, this is not one I've prepared you for. Why is Robbie Williams only playing the three arena? He sold out the Aviva the last time he played here. Actually, I was at that. I was at Aviva that too. Well. It was and great that was crack. a great gig. Yeah, really, really. But that's the thing. I think Robbie Williams, I must have seen about five times now at this stage. He always puts on an absolutely brilliant show. That was the one where he was kind of out on in, on top of the crowd in the hand yeah. that was holding up. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm not sure now actually why he would be Has playing. Has he just gone out of favour? Uh, depends. I mean, I saw him open, well not open four, he was, it was it was in the take that comeback in Croke Park a few years, but ten years ago at this stage, hell of a show and he kind of had a half an hour set of his own in the middle because they were telling the story of the band and the break yeah. and the comeback. And yeah, I could have done with a half an hour Rob Williams on his own, but he's very good. He's a hell of a showman. Uh, I'm not sure about the, you know, specific logistical reasons 
reasons for going to the arena show, but I will say I applaud him for doing so because I personally think an arena show beats an outdoor stadium show in the bright every single day of the week. So. Is that because you can't hack the outdoors? Exactly, yeah. As established festival, is just not for me. <laughs> you know, like congregating lots of people, etc. But no, arena shows, it's better. It's, I think it's more memorable for the fans. Okay. Um, what do you make of Foo Fighters coming back with a Taylor Hawkins tribute concert? Um, I think it's an honourable thing to do. That's in September. They're doing one in the UK and one in LA. And obviously Taylor Hawkins passed away in March. Incredibly shocking and absolutely harrowing. A member of that band who for so many people was almost like a friend. I mean, like Dave Grohl's lieutenant and a lot more than that. So they're going about this in the right way in terms of, well, I mean, like, what way could you go about this? They want to pay tribute to their friend. Those shows are going to be super emotional. And this does come in the wake, though, of... There was a Rolling Stone article about a month ago which kind of delved into the last days of Taylor Hawkins and would it kind of painted a picture that he was suffering from exhaustion. That was the opinion put forward by some of his peers in the industry, namely Matt Cameron, drummer for Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, and Chad Smith, drummer for the Red Chili Peppers, both of whom came out after that article was published and said, we were taken out of context, we thought we were talking about our friend in a loving way, and this was sensationalised. However, they both did say that he said to them that he was suffering from exhaustion and said that he couldn't keep doing this schedule. And Foo Fighters are one of those bands that have an absolutely incredible schedule. So their life has changed immeasurably. Dave Grohl has been through a situation like this before. I can't even imagine how he's feeling. And I, I have to applaud them for doing something. But it does raise questions about the safety of musicians, the duty of care, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I do think it it would be more shameful, though, not to acknowledge and mark his 25-year career with the band by by playing the music that his fans love. So, like, I, I would see those as being kind of separate issues. While I don't necessarily disagree with you that there is... Um, there's, there can be, it can be a problematic area for people to work in and, and exhaustion is certainly a, a problem. But I, I definitely think it would be sadder for him, for his family, for his legacy not to have it marked. And judging by the outpouring of grief and, um, respect that came from, from other artists at the time, I think, um, the, the, the lineup for this and the people that want to pay their respects through music will be pretty incredible. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Like, he deserves to be celebrated and his family want to do it. So there's no question of that. I think mm. it's more of like it is, there's a bigger conversation to be had here, though, I think. Okay, a lot of listener comments coming in tonight. And this is a worrying one. Reed Glastonbury, BBC4 has been axed. Streaming is out because if you live in Ireland, you can't get the BBC player in Ireland. I forgot about the BBC4 thing and the VPN thing. They play thing. a lot of it on BBC1 and BBC2, though, don't they? Yeah, they That's tend to kind of give a little bit of the coverage in the evening. Yes, yeah, so yeah. that is a bit of a problem. Um, there's always ways around these things. I don't know. It, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a dodgy <laughs> box recommendation coming up. <laughs> not for me, no, never, never. Uh, Robbie Williams hasn't released music in about five years. That's why he's not in the stadium and he's going to the three arena. Yeah, that's a fair point. But I mean, there's plenty. I mean, there's plenty of acts that are still packing out um, stadiums that, you know, haven't released anything. We were just talking about legacy acts there. Yeah, I see Rolling Stones. Mm. I see Mick Jagger has COVID-78. Mm. He's still performing. Yeah, well, not tonight, unfortunately, but uh, no. best wishes yeah. to Mick. Yeah, Jesus. Okay, let's go for picks of the week. What are you going for, please, Dee? Yep, my pick of the week this week, Matt, is uh, a lovely track, actually, from a band called Chasms. Um, it's the collaboration of a folk singer-songwriter called Owen Keeley, electronic producer Kieran Byrne, and a traditional Irish musician called Sean O'Koshida. Um, and this lovely, lovely track is called Fragile. Your sweater rolled up to your elbows You're the first and the last of your kind just like the beauty so fragile Ever feel you're in love with the time? Come on 
That is Chasms, is it? Chasms, yeah. The song is called Fragile. Falling into a little bit about a lot of those Irish male artists sounding quite similar yeah, these days. Yeah, what I was thinking? I was like, is that Terry Kennedy? Yeah, or is it Moncree Fridays? They all tend to sound quite similar now. It's what sells. You're looking... Well, I yeah. actually, I mean, yeah, I just picked it because I liked him, Matt. Oh, no, I'm not suggesting <laughs> you shouldn't like it. No, like, I, 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 I hadn't... But you know where no, we're coming from. Been, yeah, no, I do. Like, now, the, the minute you said that, I was like... Geez, did we play the right track? (laughs) So I I can absolutely take your point. Okay, what's your pick of the week, Dave? Uh, Thinking Man's UK indie outfit folds their back with a new album called Life Is Yours, which drops this Friday, and it sounds a bit like this. Thinking Man's indie band, and I'm thinking 21st century version of Spandau Ballet. Well, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, like, they're very much leaning into their 80s new romantic bag there, as they tend to do. Folds are an interesting one. They've been around since the mid-2000s, and I think over time they've gone a little bit more experimental and ambitious. Um, I've always found them to be a little bit lacking in substance. They're a very, very strong festival band. Uh, they have some songs that just feel tailor-made to even, like, you know, for a highlight package of a festival, or here's a new mobile phone. They're just kind of very palatable that way. Nothing wrong with that. That's all good. Uh, they did release a two-part record back in 2019, which was more interesting than its actual kind of result. But right now, yeah, they're very much back in the, here's a three-minute pop song that harkens back to the 80s. And look, it works. There's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. That- Maybe, again, maybe it's the age thing. I'm starting to like that age. (laughs) Once that jangly guitar came in at the end there, I was like, yeah, like, listen, (laughs) they know what they're doing. Okay, tell us the Lizzo story, Dee. Yeah, this is a really interesting one, Matt. So, and this, it all kind of seems to have uh, come to the fore and been addressed and resolved fairly quickly. But she's, um, she's changed the lyrics to her most recent single, Girls. Um, it came out, um, on June 10th, so only last Friday. Um, and when it came out, um, there was, and, and I suppose it, there's context that's probably needed here is that there was a word that she's used in it. Which um, we're not going to repeat. Which no, we're not going to repeat, of course not. Um, that in this part of the world, in, in, in Ireland and in the UK, um, is a pretty horrible slur. Um, and a very ableist one, but that doesn't necessarily hold the same meaning or context to people using it in the US. Um, 
anyway, it was brought to her attention. There was quite a furore on Twitter with people calling her out, people suggesting that because her, her music is listened to in this part of the world, that she should be aware of that. Um, and very, very quickly, she has come out um, and she has managed to record um, and produce and release a revised version of it that addresses and takes out that word. And she released, to my mind, probably one of the best um, sort of responses that somebody could have to this. She said, let me take, make one thing clear. I never want to promote derogatory language. As a fat black woman in America, I've had many hurtful words used against me. So I understand the power words can have, whether intentionally or in my case, unintentionally. And I just think it's a really, really interesting one. I think, A, she dealt with it beautifully. Um, but I think because Lizzo is very much a friend to uh, people who are otherwise maybe feel disenfranchised in the world. You know, she's always been a big advocate for um, people who are plus size. She's been a big advocate for people who are like single, like she just, she's, she's, she's brought people along with her. And um, that maybe I, I just love that she was given the chance to do this. What do you think of it, Dave? I concur. I mean, I think we live in an age now where people are kind of often criticized quite quickly for mistakes. And in some situations, they are genuine mistakes. Uh, I'd echo what he says. Lizzo is someone, there's no real history here to my knowledge of malice or any Mm -mm. kind of anything too horrible so uh, and it was a very well constructed apology I mean it actually reminded me it's a different story but like two weeks ago Sam Fender posted a photograph with Johnny Depp and then he took it down he issued an apology that I thought was extremely thorough quite eloquent and I think in these situations you have to take people at their word and not in fact go after them after this if they're standing in front of you and saying I'm really sorry I made a mistake Well, then, fair enough. Okay, just another listener comment. Robbie Williams has so many hits, he doesn't need to release new music. Most acts who actually sell out stadiums are a lot older than him anyway. Very few young acts in the charts could sell out Croak or Aviva. And that actually brings up another point. A lot of these heritage acts as such, I think people, when they hear them playing new music, they go, I don't know that. I only want them to play the hits I know. And they're off to hit the car park. Yeah, so they beat the traffic. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Robbie has the hits for sure. I mean, like, like it is enduring. It's from a different time as well, though. I think. I think we, you know, like there was more physical music bought, etc. Like he came of age in a different era. But yeah, no, it's a fair point. And, you and know, the stuff he did with Guy Chambers was class. No regrets every day. Hell of a song. All right, listen, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much, Dave Hanratty and D Ready for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.